0: This won't end well for Illinois. Here's a three. It ended well. Oh! <laughs> McCourt for the win. In the it air. It. it is up and it is good. Fourth and 16. Pressure comes in. Matt baby with the ball in the air. He makes the catch. Yes. Welcome to Oski Talk. I'm Drew Pastorek. So, what do you want to talk about? (laughs) Did some stuff happen this week? I barely noticed. Uh, Lots to get caught up on in the world of Illini football, Illini men's basketball. Just a couple of these stories on their own would be enough to fill like a whole episode. That would be a busy week, but man, seems like every day there is some big time story popping off. So uh, great stuff. Trying to get you caught up as best as I can. Also let you know some of the stuff you can read at thechampagneroom.com. And at the end of the episode... I will spotlight our Illini of the week. So let's get to uh, some of the headlines, of which there are many. Going to begin with football. Uh, it's going to be a pretty basketball-heavy show, I have a feeling, but uh, there was some intriguing football news as well. So I want to start there. Let's get to the recruiting stuff. Last week I mentioned this. You know, Illinois had a trio. Of transfers. Safety Clayton Bush from Southern Illinois. Will Lays from Saddleback College. Offensive lineman. And then Lane Jenkins. Who had decommitted from Alabama. Or sorry. From Oklahoma. Before ultimately committing to Illinois. So those three guys are, are folks you might see on the field right away this season. Could have another one. Kind of late in the week, Brett Bielema and company added another transfer to the defensive backfield. JUCO Corner Prince Ford, 6 feet 170 pounds from Golden West College. He'll have two years of eligibility for the Illini. 42 tackles, three interceptions in 21 games during his two years at Golden West College. He's now the fifth. Transfer just in the secondary, the fifth transfer DB this offseason. Mentioned Clayton Bush a little earlier. He's coming in from SIU Carbondale. Caleb Patterson at JUCO defensive back as well. And then earlier the offseason, Nakario Harper, transfer from Louisville, joined the Illini. Uh, Demetrius Hill, a freshman All-American from FIU, joining the fold as well. So it, it's quite clear that the coaching staff is prioritizing experience with this position group. A lot of attrition from last year due to the NFL. And it's going to be interesting to see how these new additions co Now, understand there's only, you know, four, five, six DBs that can be on the field at a time. So they're not all going to get, you know, a hundred snaps a game. But how you deploy these guys is going to be pretty interesting. And of course, we still have summer camp and things like that. But it is intriguing. There are a lot of position groups that I'm excited to watch Who comes out on top, you know, who comes out on on top of the depth chart? Now, O-line, I think, is pretty solid, but you have some some guys that can rotate in and out there. Running back, wide receiver, tight end, there's some interesting prospects there. Some guys we've seen, some guys we haven't. And the window for sustained success in the Big Ten might not be open for much longer. This is the last year of the Big Ten West as we know it. I would expect the Big Ten to just ditch the divisional format altogether with USC and UCLA joining next year. So we talk about this with basketball all the time. Brad Underwood has preached this and other programs have done this, you know, getting old and staying old. It's hard to win when you got 25, 30 freshmen getting a lot of reps. You got to mix in some guys that have played a lot of ball, uh, whether it's on your team or someone else's team. So great job getting those veteran defensive backs and Prince Ford could be another guy you plug and play right away. Uh, He could be uh, in a nickel or a dime situation, but Welcome, Prince Ford, to Champaign starting in 2023. Uh, Now going to the scheduling side. We obviously know who the 12 opponents are going to be, but we started to find out a little bit more about when Illinois will play these teams and on which platform to view them. Three game times were confirmed earlier this week. The season opener against Toledo. That is a prime time game. Saturday, September 2nd, 6:30 p.m. Central Time on Big Ten Network. It's not the most glamorous game of the first weekend. We understand that, but you know, getting a, a solo spot on BTN, that's pretty cool. I like that a lot. And it's Labor Day weekend, so a holiday weekend, a Saturday evening game in Champaign. That's that's pretty cool. I think that's going to get a nice turnout, a nice uh, group there showing up and, and pack a Memorial Stadium. Then we have the next home game, September 16th against Penn State. That is a Fox game. That's the big noon kickoff, the big noon showcase game. Illinois hosting Penn State. And then October 6th, the home till with Nebraska That's a prime time game as well. Friday night, by the way, October 6th, 7 o'clock Central Time on FS1. And you can see all these at FightingIllini.com. They've got the whole schedule out. There are three more games that were narrowed down to two time slots. Again, the three I just mentioned, those are locked in. There's no flexing those. But the Saturday game at Purdue, September 30th. That's either in the late afternoon or evening window. So depending on the network, it'll be on at either 2.30 or 3 p.m. or 6.30 p.m. Central Time. October 14th at Maryland, that's going to be in the morning window. I say morning because it's 11 o'clock. Or that's second slot, either 2.30 or 3 p.m. And the same for the homecoming game versus Wisconsin, October 21st. That'll be either an 11 o'clock kick or a 2.30 slash 3 p.m. central time kick. Again, you can go to fightingallini.com, read more about the schedule. In in case you need to uh, refresh your memory about the schedule, I'm sure they'll be announcing those other game times in due order. Some of these games are going to depend on... Record and conference standing, and things like that, you know, similar to what the NFL does with the flex scheduling. Yeah, if you're a one in ten team playing a five and six team, you know, they're not going to show that game in prime time, they're going to flex out of that. Um, so, Illinois could have a lot more of those late afternoon or prime time games, they could have some of those 11 o'clock kickoffs. Remember back in the day, 11 o'clock was like That's the spot you wanted to be in because everyone was tuning in at 11 a.m. And now it's like you're being relegated. (laughs) If your game's on at 11 a.m., it's like you're just an appetizer. So depending on how Illinois does, you're going to see a lot of those mid-afternoon games. That's what I would expect. Illinois is going to wind up in a lot of those 2.30 or 3 o'clock kickoffs. Uh, and I mentioned this last week. Enthusiasm is pretty high amongst the fan base. I tried to not get too excited about football. I tried to tamp down the expectations going into last season, and then boom, they had this awesome seven and one start. Finished eight and five. It's palpable, man. There's buzz in the air amongst Illini Nation. They are excited, and I think a lot of fans are expecting good things. One of those fans happens to be our own Mahir Siobhan at The Champagne Room. He's building the hype already. Uh, I would recommend you you check out his piece at thechampagneroom.com. He is already setting the table for otherworldly excitement or incalculable disappointment. (laughs) He's already got the first month plus of the season laid out. So that means running the table in the non-conference. That means beating Penn State. Yeah. It's bold. It's a bold pick. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. But hey, if you pay attention, if you follow us on Twitter, you know what our slogan is. You got to stay for the inevitable heartbreak. So <laughs> Mahir's already preparing you for that. He said, we're going to go 5-0. So when they're 2-3, and three, you can go, oh, God. This jackass doesn't know anything. Why do we trust these people with anything? But uh, yeah, I said it before. I'll say it again. I'm pumped. I am very, very excited. I'm optimistic. This coaching staff is very credible. They know what they're doing. They've brought in player after player after player that fits what they want to do. And that is so important. So... I don't try to get too caught up in the projections, wins and losses, but schedule looks good, roster looks good, and a lot of us at the Champagne Room are feeling good. Uh, To that end, sticking with the scheduling theme, Big Game Boomer, very popular account on Twitter. They've been going through a lot of teams' schedules posting them on Twitter and just asking for feedback about how many games Team X is going to win. They did that with Illinois earlier this week, and I was surprised. Color me impressed with Illinois fans not expecting the sky to fall. I saw a lot of 10-2, and 2, a lot of 11-1. Some Illini fans were even brazen enough to say 15-0. I appreciate the enthusiasm. I admire your gusto. I'm not that optimistic. I'm not going crazy. I think 8-4, like last year, I think 8-4 is a realistic target. Baseline expectation now ought to be 6-6. Six six. Just from what we've seen the past couple years, from what Brett Bielema has accomplished what the coaching staff's been able to do on a development side. Six and six, bare minimum, you need to expect that. But I think eight and four is fair. You still got to play Penn State, um, at Purdue, at Maryland. Those are going to be tough games. I know Illinois is really going to want to win the Purdue game because of all the Ryan Walters stuff. But that's going to be a tough game. Illinois has a hard time beating Purdue for whatever reason. They've had a hard time beating Maryland in the past as well. And Wisconsin's no slouch. Illinois gets them at home and obviously have one of the more memorable games in Illini history, authored by Homecoming versus Wisconsin. But it's going to be difficult. It's a navigable schedule, but I think uh, reasonable expectations... Eight wins. You could talk me into nine and three. I I could buy that as well. Uh, But big game boomer getting a lot of attention, a lot of feedback on Twitter from Illini fans, and then you had you had Toledo fans as well chiming in saying, you know, the Illini are going to catch an L week one. Look, Toledo's not bad. Toledo's a really solid program. They're no slouch. I am not taking them lightly at all. Nor should Illinois. One last football tidbit here. I just, I thought this was pretty funny and entertaining. The Cheez-It Bowl, which at least at some point in time had a Big Ten affiliation. Uh, The Cheez-It Bowl is no longer. It is being rechristened as the Pop-Tarts Bowl. You heard me correctly. The Cheez-It Bowl is now the Pop Tarts Bowl. Uh shout out to the Solid Verbal College Football podcast. They tweeted out an infographic with a visual history of the now Pop Tarts Bowl. Started off as the Blockbuster Bowl that was from 1990 to 93, it then became the Carquest Auto Parts Bowl from 94 to 97. Illinois fans will recall the MicronPC.com Bowl from 1998 to 2000. The Illini famously thumped Virginia 63 21 in that iteration of the bowl game back in 1999. Then it became the Visit Florida Tangerine Bowl for 2001. It was then the Mazda Tangerine Bowl. In 2002 and 2003, turned into the Champs Sports Bowl from 2004 to 2011. The Russell Athletic Bowl from 2012 to 16. Before the Cheez-It Bowl, it was the Camping World Bowl. Fittingly enough, they play it at Camping World Stadium. 2017 to 2019. And then the Cheez-It Bowl from 2020... To 2022, So now it's the Pop-Tarts Bowl. And I saw a lot of discourse on social media about what's your favorite kind of Pop-Tart? And I thought I would posit that question to you, the listener of this fine program as well. My wife is a big fan of the brown sugar cinnamon Pop-Tarts. Specifically with butter on them. I had never really done that before, but I got to tell you, it is... It's a game changer. And now every time I think of butter on a Pop-Tart, I think of Family Guy. Peter Griffin. Yeah. Have you ever had butter on a Pop-Tart? <laughs> it's so freaking good. And it really is. So I I don't think my wife started that because of Family Guy. I don't think that's uh in her wheelhouse. I don't think she's a a Peter Griffin fan necessarily, but (laughs) she does put butter on her Pop-Tarts and they are freaking good. Uh, So, big fan in the pastoric household of the brown sugar cinnamon variety. I like strawberry. I don't even know if they have raspberry Pop-Tarts anymore. I I was a big fan of the raspberry ones too. Um, Not crazy about the unfrosted Pop-Tarts. I'm not going to lie. Some people are traditionalists with the unfrosted it's just too dry. Not really into that. Uh, but yeah, they've got like cookies and cream, Pop-Tarts, and also it's a wild stuff now. So if you just give me strawberry or cherry, I'm good. I could do the uh, brown sugar cinnamon as well. One of my roommates in college was big into the s'mores Pop-Tarts, not toasted. He was very adamant, even though they were s'mores Pop-Tarts, to not toast them. Um, So those were pretty good from my recollection back in the day. Ate a lot more Pop-Tarts in college. I think most of us probably ate more Pop-Tarts in college than we do now. But we do have the giant like, 24-count box of the the brown sugar cinnamon ones hanging out in the pantry or Lazy Susan somewhere. But uh, anyway, just thought that was kind of fun. I want to see if they're going to dump... Like, instead of Gatorade, they're going to dump a big thing of Pop-Tarts. <laughs> like, the Duke's Mayo Bowl, they bathe the coach in the mayonnaise. It could be a little more painful dumping the, uh, the Pop-Tarts. You might need to wear a helmet for that, but uh, I'm intrigued by the game just to see if that happens. And what kind of Pop-Tarts swag do the players get? Do they get, like, a tote bag? Do they get a... Lifetime supply of Pop-Tarts to get some kind of NIL package from Pop-Tarts. The world may never know. All right, now that I spent 20 minutes on the non-basketball stuff when I said it was going to be a basketball show, (laughs) let's talk about basketball, shall we? Uh, A lot of big, big news. And we suspected this was going to happen. I mentioned last week that the deadline for the NBA draft decisions was May 31st. So there were you know a couple of days left before that deadline. We now know a lot more than we knew prior to Wednesday. So before I get into that, I just wanted to give a scheduling update here. Illinois will be hosting Oakland November 10th as part of the upcoming men's basketball season. So November 10th at, sorry, Dad. It's Assembly Hall. It's not State Farm Center. Uh, Champaign. They'll be hosting uh, Oakland. Uh, Golden Grizzlies out of the Horizon League, 13 and 19 last season, 9 and 11 in their conference. You may remember Kendrick Nunn transferred to Oakland Following his days at Illinois. So there is a little bit of a connection there. But that should be one of those games for Illinois you'd expect them to win pretty comfortably. Oakland's got a little bit of success historically. Their head coach, Greg Campy, has been there, I think, 40 years. I think he's the longest tenured head coach in college basketball. Been there for 40 years. But again, that's a game Illinois should win comfortably. Early in the season. So we now know Illinois will play Oakland, FDU, Marquette, and Tennessee. I'm assuming Missouri makes its way onto the schedule as well for bragging rights. So that would be five non-conference games. You'll probably see five or six more before we do the, the Big Ten stuff. Now, want to get you caught up on the roster moves relating to Brad Underwood's men's basketball team. We found out on Wednesday, kind of the 11th hour, that Terrence Shannon Jr. and Coleman Hawkins were withdrawing from the NBA draft and returning to the Fighting Illini. Very exciting news. There have been a lot of Chaos with the roster. Definitely needed some stability there. And two of those core players, you could argue the two most important players on Illinois' roster last year, are back. So Terrence Shannon Jr., first team all Big Ten last year as voted by the league's coaches. 17 points a game, four and a half rebounds per game, about three assists per game scored at least 15 points in 20 of 31 games so big big piece he was the go-to guy he had that tremendous game against ucla was instrumental in illinois comeback against northwestern i think he scored 24 points in the second half uh, in that game so just tremendous to have tsj back he probably would have been drafted, but I think it definitely behooved him to come back. And same for Coleman Hawkins. He was on some boards, but I think he uh, he followed his heart. And I think maybe knowing Terrence Shannon Jr. was coming back aided in that decision. But Coleman Hawkins, about 10 points and six rebounds per game last year, three assists per game as well. And... Also recorded a triple-double against Syracuse last season. 15 points, 10 rebounds, 10 dimes. Again, very instrumental to Illinois' success last year. You can say it wasn't successful if you want to. I say you make the NCAA tournament. You finish in the upper half of the Big Ten. That's a successful season. So I'll just I'll leave it there. <laughs> um Glad to have them back. And then some other dominoes started to fall. Most notably, Ray J. Dennis. I know Illinois fans were maybe expecting isn't the right word, but they were certainly hopeful that Ray J. Dennis was going to link up with the Fighting Illini as well. He committed to Baylor. He had earlier in the week, uh, pulled out from the NBA draft as well. And when Adam Flagler of Baylor stayed in the draft, I think that all but cemented Ray J. Dennis's decision to go to Waco. Uh, He was the Mac Player of the Year last year with Toledo, 19.5 points per game, 6.8 assists per game. He was that offensive-minded point guard that I, I think a lot of Illinois fans were wanting to have. They were kind of salivating at the idea of Ray J. Dennis, who's from Chicago or Chicago area, really wanting to bring him in and give Brad Underwood that point guard that they have desperately needed. But he is going to Baylor. And honestly, I can't really blame him from a basketball perspective. There are few programs that have had as much success recently as Baylor and national champions two seasons ago. Then you had Kansas, then you had Yukon. So Scott Drew's got that thing cooking. He's getting a ton of recruits. Whatever he's doing, it's working. So I I, I don't discredit Ray J. Dennis for, for going to Baylor at all. I think that's uh basketball-wise, not a bad decision. I think he would have been fine at illinois but then you see shannon coming back hawkins coming back the other transfers that joined the program and maybe he's not that number one guy maybe he's you know option 3 or 4 and you know if i got one year left and i've got designs on maybe going to the nba i want to put up as as many numbers as possible so ray j dennis on his way to waco and the baylor bears that does not mean Illinois was done shopping for point guards, however. Former Temple and Iowa State guard Jeremiah Williams transferred to Illinois earlier this week. He is a Chicago native as well, a Simeon product. Uh, You always associate Simeon with winning, so anyone who played at Simeon you assume is pretty damn good. Spent last season at Iowa State. Illinois was pursuing him last year in the portal before he ultimately chose to go to T.J. Otzelberger's Cyclones, but he tore his Achilles tendon in October. He did not play. He missed the entire season. And prior to that, as I mentioned, he was at Temple. So it raises some questions. Brad Underwood does get a point guard, a multi-year Point guard, but first of all, is he healthy? Is he recovered from that Achilles tear? If he tore it in October, usually that's like a seven, eight, nine month kind of window. So he could be close, but maybe has a little bit more work to go. And that's just before even doing all the basketball activities and all that. Uh, secondly, is he eligible? to compete this upcoming season you might remember when they revamped these transfer rules the first time transfers could play immediately at their new school if you transfer a second time you have to sit out a year however jeremiah williams didn't play last season so it's possible he could get some type of waiver since he didn't actually play to make him eligible right away. Knowing Illinois' history with players requesting waivers, I wouldn't get my hopes up. (laughs) It's like the general rule is you play for Illinois, no waiver for you. I mean, Luke Ford tried to move closer to home so his dying grandfather could watch him play. And the NCAA was like, nope, that's not a good enough reason. He should have just said, I got benched, and then they would have let him play somewhere else right away. Uh, Anyway, it's interesting. It might not be the guy that fans were searching for or hoping for. It's a good pickup. Doesn't have the, the super sexy stats, but I think you want guys that fit. More so than guys that just put up gaudy numbers. I'll take a guy if he's scoring 30 points a game. I'll take him. Not saying don't go after him, but if you look at what Illinois has right now, what they brought into the portal, who they have returning, I'm not sure if it's something they really need at this point in time. I think this roster is built more to compete without a top. Guard a number one true point guard than last year's team was. I think this year you can make it work with what you have. Um, So Jeremiah Williams does commit to Illinois. We won't really know on his playing status for a while. My guess is he's going to apply for the waiver. NCAA will deny the waiver because they're jerks. And then we'll see him in the... 24 25 season he still has two years of eligibility left because of the uh the covid year so we'll see what happens but you can read more on that commitment from jeremiah williams at the champagneroom.com as well if we look at the roster there's still time to make a late addition my guess is it would be a prep guy at this point i i I don't know if they have room for another veteran transfer, but let's take a look at who we know is on board for this season. So we'll put Williams to the side for right now. You've got Terrence Shannon, Coleman Hawkins, Luke Goody, Dane Danger, Sincere Harris, Ty Rogers, and then uh, Niccolo Moretti. Those were players that were on the roster last year that are back. You bring in two incoming freshmen, Monty Hansberry and Dre Gibbs-Lawhorn. Hansberry's in the front court. DGL is a combo guard, could be the future point guard. And then you have the the transfers. Justin Harmon, Chicago native. That roster looks a lot better than it did. And if you look at the Big 10, there were a lot of marquee names in the Big 10 that decided to return. Zach Eadie probably the biggest name, figuratively and literally. It's just crazy that guys like Zach Eadie now almost don't have a place in the NBA. It's crazy. Uh, you know, Kofi Coburn, same thing. Kofi Coburn, if this was 2003 and not 2023, Kofi Coburn would have been a top five NBA draft pick. Hell, Zach Eadie might have been a top five draft pick 20 years ago. And now it's like, eh, we need you to run the floor, Skip. <laughs> we need you to be able to jump and stretch the floor and just things that, you know, traditional big men don't normally do. Um, I watch Pardon the Interruption a lot, and I don't have the exact quote. I'm paraphrasing Basically, they were saying that Zach Eadie is a player fit for a league that doesn't exist anymore. Like, he's 7'4", he's 300 pounds, reigning player of the year, and NBA teams are like, eh, not feeling it. I think his, his draft board, his draft grade was like in the 50s. Come back to school wash that taste of FDU out of your mouth and see what Purdue is able to accomplish. I think all five of their starters are coming back. So they're going to be pretty good again. Will they be as dominant as they were last year? I don't know, but they're going to be pretty good once again. Uh, Cliff uh, Omori returning to Rutgers as well. A.J. Hogard coming back to Michigan State. Boo Booey returning to Northwestern. Uh, Tominaga coming back to Nebraska—that's fun. Tomanaga's is a fun player. He looks like he's nine years old. <laughs> he just look—he looks like he's dressed as a basketball player for Halloween. But you know what? He's entertaining. He made Nebraska basketball, Nebraska ball, fun to watch when it otherwise wasn't. So I'm glad he's coming back. College basketball is better for having a kid like Tominaga there. He wasn't going to get drafted. Let him get some exposure. Let him play another year of college and see what happens. Uh, Boo Boo, kind of surprised me. I thought he was going to leave. Um, But a lot of, I think, NIL, not just the transfer portal, but I think NIL has helped this. I think it's helped kids to some degree stay in school, sharpen their skill set, get better. You're able to make some money. Your value in your community is higher than it would be if you went to some random NBA team. You know, Tominaga, he's going to have as much NIL money as he wants at Nebraska. If he goes to, you know, the Toronto Raptors or the Charlotte Hornets or somewhere, he's just a guy. So I think NIL has really helped make that decision easier. It's tilted the scales towards college a little bit in my opinion with some of these guys that maybe felt they didn't have a choice but to go pro three, four, or five years ago. Now they can stay in school and play with their friends, you know, stay with their teammates, and just enjoy being college kids still get rewarded for their efforts, you know, with the NIL and all that stuff, um, and make their teams better, make their conferences better, and make college basketball better. I like it. Is there a is there a place... I, I don't live in Champaign or near Champaign. Is there a place that does, like, jazz lessons or something? <laughs> There's got to be some, like... Blue Note type of bar. Maybe some type of place. Or some music school. You're telling me you couldn't get Coleman Hawkins, the namesake of a jazz musician, to promote that? Come on. Easy money. I work for a minor league baseball team in Cedar Rapids, and uh, one of our little on-field games in between innings is... uh, it's a player interview thing. So they will ask the player, you know, a pitcher, a catcher, whatever, if they can name five signs of a concussion in 15 seconds, if they know seven reasons to go to urgent care in 15 seconds. And, you know, someone in the crowd says, yes, he'll know it. No, he doesn't. You're telling me you couldn't get one of those Illinois players to do that for Carl? Come on! It's easy. It writes itself. Hire me, please. I'm your marketing whiz right there. Long story short, I love that guys are coming back to school. I'm glad that Illinois' two best players from last season are also coming back. What's not to like about it? We didn't get Ray J. Dennis. Okay, but you got two guys that played 31 games last year. Coleman Hawkins is the only four-year player Brad Underwood has had. The only scholarship player that stayed for four years that was recruited by Brad Underwood. It kind of makes Brad Underwood look bad, but it's also a cool thing. We want to see more of that, right? All you old heads that are like, kids aren't loyal. Kids don't stay in school. (laughs) As soon as there's any adversity, they leave. (laughs) Well... Coleman Hawkins, stay in for four years. All you fuddy-duddies can go back to your plastic-covered couches now. Go back and hide. Turn on some Andy Griffith reruns or something. All right, before I end the show today, it is time to recognize the Illini of the week. And really, it was a no-brainer. Gotta give it up to a pair of Illinois men's golfers. Adrian Dumont de Chassart. And Tommy Cool, both being recognized as first-team All-Americans. Only eleven golfers honored as first-teamers, and Illinois is the only program with two selections on that team. So, gotta give massive congratulations to them. Um, Illinois did compete in the NCAA. Championships in Scottsdale, Arizona, last week. Just missed out on competing for a national championship. They fell 3 2 to Florida State in match play at the men's golf championships. Entered the week as the number three seed. Did have the lead after 54 holes of stroke play. Ultimately, the team finished tied for second wound up with the three seed in match play after losing a tiebreaker with the Florida Gators. So got to play Florida State in the match play on Tuesday. Illinois had a valiant effort, a gallant effort, but did fall short three to two. But those two wins came courtesy of Tommy Kuhl and Adrian Dumont de Chassart. So again, can't say enough good things about them. Storied collegiate careers for both. Each of them were fifth-year seniors. They came back after the program had missed out on Nationals a season ago. And like I said, both of them honored as first-team All-Americans by Ping. Just the eighth and ninth first-team All-Americans in Illini history. Dumont de Chassart. Wrapping up his career as a three-time Big Ten Golfer of the Year, was twice a unanimous first-team All-Big Ten selection, and a three-time All-American, was a second-teamer last season and back in 2021 as well. Led the team with 18 rounds in the 60s, 29 rounds of par or better overall on the season. Tommy Cool, a Morton native, so just outside of Peoria, his first time being honored as an All-American. He was All-Big Ten, first-team, back-to-back seasons, and he tied Dumont de Chassard for the team high with 29 rounds of par or better, including 15 rounds in the 60s. So just, again... Outstanding careers for each of those young men. Uh, They're set to join the pro ranks here very shortly. And it's, again, just a testament to what Mike Small has been able to do. Of the Illini's All-Americans, historically, all but one of them has been under the tutelage of Mike Small. Steve Stricker was the other. Steve Stricker, not a pretty damn good career. Now, he was a two time All American in 88 and 89. But everybody else that's claimed that honor was while Mike Small was Illinois men's golf head coach. So it might not have ended. The season might not have ended the way a lot of fans hoped. I said this last week I'm not a golf guy by any means. I'm not a golf aficionado. I don't really follow the sport. But anytime. You've got skin in the game. Anytime uh, you've got um, you know, someone from your hometown or someone from the team you root for, you know, you're going to pay close attention. You're going to wish them all the best. And uh, Illinois fell short in the national championships, but certainly not any fault of uh, Dumont Dichessart, uh and Tommy Cool. So got to give them much, much respect. They are the Illini of the week. Congrats to them. And all the best moving forward, of course, as they venture into the professional ranks. That's going to do it for Oski Talk this week. Thank you so much for listening. Of course, you can listen to past episodes at room.com And make sure you follow The Champagne Room as well on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I've said this last week too, but uh, with basketball, you know, we're going to get some schedule announcements here, kind of... Getting closer and closer to finding all that out. Lots of football stuff in the windshield as well. The spring sports are in the rearview mirror now with the exception of track and field. National, uh, the national competition starts uh, towards the middle of this week. So we'll definitely be keeping tabs on that, updating you as they go. And so we'll have much more Illini news and notes in the days to come. Thanks for listening. Until next time, I'm Drew Pastorek, ILL.